Good morning. I think it is morning. Um, so we're on two different coasts, but it is morning for um, both of us. So welcome to Divas, Diamonds, and Dollars podcast. We bring to you key success principles for business, personal finance, and leadership to empower you with the tools and strategies to help you live your best life. We invite you to lean in for possibly the best conversation you've had all week because we know you have choices. And I know there are times when I'm not listening to some things and other times that I am. So we hope that this is at the top of your list. Today, we're excited to bring to you an installment from our signature Voyager interview series as we probe the minds of experts from all walks of life to bring you 10 questions and the expert answers that can change your life. Today's topic continues a theme of leadership brought to you by an expert who can help you gain new perspectives and opportunities for resolving conflict and improving communication. If your calling is to develop and grow into a servant leader, you will be captivated by tips that open you up to influencing like-minded leaders or followers. I'm pleased to introduce you to the mindset doctor, <laughs> Dr. De Deborah Dupree, with 30 years of experience in psychotherapy, mediation and conflict coaching. So for every leader who's out there, how could you not be interested for something else, you know, that we can always learn. She strives to make a difference in the lives of people by helping them incorporate their mindset, relationships and passion through many facets of their lives. So I've already cleared this with her. I will be calling her Dr. D, but she is Dr. Dupree. So thank you. I'm intrigued by the learning and experiences you have brought together by providing insight and vision for leveraging the conflict mindset. Because as I see it today, I mean, there's a lot of conflict out there. So, um, you know, and I'm a firm believer, it, you know, it's, it's kind of the heart mind thing, you know, what's going on. So please tell the leaders before we get into some questions, a little bit about yourself and how you made the jump from attorney to life coach. <laughs> I find that very intriguing. Well, thank you so much, Cecilia. I'm, I'm pleased to be here on, on Divas and Diamonds. And, uh, um, you know, I, I would have to say, you know, we all have a story and uh, usually it's in that story of our life that uh, represents the kernels for what we end up doing. You know, we, we've been sparked in some kind of way. And so for me, I actually grew up in a family-owned business and run by my grandfather and my father. And um, if there were two people who were more different uh, than, than similar, it was those two. And uh, it was a stormy leadership arrangement. And uh, ultimately the family business didn't survive into the third generation. Uh, and that's a whole nother story. Uh, but I, I, as, as a young kid in a large family of nine, uh, the, the three youngest ones were to be seen and not heard. And so I developed really good observational skills. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw a lot of um, broken down communications. I saw a lot of misdirected guidance and leadership. Um, I saw a lot of broken hearts, um, you know, bruised egos and hurt feelings. And um, it was that kind of experience, not to mention growing up in a large family of nine kids, um, just watching the business dynamics. And I had exposure to uh, you know, other business owners and uh, representatives of, of businesses who dealt in the business of my father's. And so we actually had people um, from all over the Midwest and even other countries uh, coming into our farmyard. My dad sold and bought dairy cattle and um, was the only one of its kind in our area. And uh, as a result, I got ex exposed to lots of different people. I saw people in action, negotiating, um, uh, uh, communicating, uh, and then certainly how my father and grandfather engaged with those other uh, leaders and representatives, but also how they managed the um, uh, the labor team that they had. And so from those experiences, I, I just developed this fascination with human behavior. Mm -hmm. And while I've, I've always walked, you know, worked around the field of law, it always took me back to, you know, people engaging with one another mm -hmm. and uh, has really driven my entire career and continues to drive what I do today. Passionate about it. I can relate. I can relate. I mean, I, I think there's nothing better than human study, just watching how people interact. Mm -hmm. That that 
that is also my passion. So again, I'm so excited to <laughs> you share a lot of things with us. So I believe you host a podcast called Decoding the Conflict Mindset. I mean, you already kind of laid the groundwork for that. So yeah. <laughs> as well as co-host a weekly podcast series for Aurora Training Advantage called the Agile Workplace. So um, I've been involved in moving a team towards a more agile workplace. Mm -hmm. um, I work for the federal government and uh, in contracting. So there was always, uh, you're always going to have conflict, mm -hmm. always got, you know, different masters. And then you have the people that, you know, you supervise and who they supervise. So what advice would you share with those who are on this journey? Because at mm -hmm. Agility, and, and now we got where people are working at home. So I don't mm -hmm. want to throw too much at you all in one question, but, <laughs> but, you know, conflict, agility, how do we do that? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the um, reasons I focus on decoding the conflict mindset, uh, well, actually, it's two or threefold, actually. And so let me start there first, because then I think that lays the foundation for a while why agility has become such an important notion in, in my framework of thinking as well as in today's workplace. Um, many people you know, want to avoid conflict. It's just, oh, I don't want to go there. It's, you know, I don't know how to manage the emotions. You know, um, uh, there's going to be confrontations. People will get angry and just a lot of fear around conflict. But what we know is that anytime two people come together, who have some differences in beliefs or values or expectations or understandings uh, and many more, uh, there's bound to be conflict. But conflict in, in and of itself is not the, the dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. It's how you manage conflict. And that's where so many of us um, really lack the skills, quite frankly. It's a, it's a very uh, unique skill set on how to communicate for conversations, not confrontations. And so um, by shifting our mindset and how we look at conflict, then we can actually uh, open up opportunities for how we manage conflict. So that's sort of the foundation um, there of, the, of my thinking. And as I mentioned, you know, my, my goal is to help people develop the skill set, the mindset on how to communicate to have conversations, to explore and discuss different perspectives, different approaches, and so forth, without arguing their or, or defending their position, right, it's, a, right. it's different. It's a different approach, so that we can have those conversations, not confrontations. And so, as people, um, you know, aspire to to uh, rise into leadership uh, at any level uh, or advance their skills in leadership, again at every level. Um, you know, communicating through conflict is, I think, one of the most critical skills that you can possibly develop. Um, because good leaders are going to surround them with people who do have different perspectives. Yes. You know, so that there's a richer um, awareness and a insight into how to look at things differently. And too often, you know, leaders will surround themselves with people who will just say yes, yes, yes. Right. And so there really becomes a void of, of right. um, you know, insight and awareness and, and evolution and creativity of ideas. And so it really is opening up, um, again, it's, it's not something to be feared, but instead something to be embraced. And to do that, we have to have courage. We have to have curiosity. And in some regards, we need to be vulnerable enough to you know, recognize that, you know what, mm -hmm. as a leader, I may be here, but I don't know everything. I do not know everything. And I need to be open to hearing what others have to offer. Exactly, exactly. And the one thing that one word, I mean, you, you said you said a mouthful, but again, I have I know I got I know I gotta be sensitive to our time, but curiosity. I, I wanted to say that because uh, for me, that's one of the things that I've always tried to encourage in my leaders, you know, it's not what I want. I truly want to hear what you have to say. I do want to know what you know, you don't have to agree with me. So curiosity is really important, but you know, how do you harness all that? So, okay. So you are a woman with many successful offerings. Mm -hmm. I read you are also a founder and president of relationships at work. So mm -hmm. um, in the last several years, as I uh, worked through various organizations, one of my primary 
intentions was that I would have a meet and greet with all new employees. And as it turned out, my last uh, role, people said, you're not going to be able to do that with the numbers of people you had, you know, over 100 people, they said, you're not going to be able to do that. You know, and I remember thinking, okay, well, maybe I can't spend an hour with them, but no, I'm going to do this because it is important. And the reason I know it's important because relationships at work, that's your, um, what you found. Well, I found that the most important thing, and I always tried to pass that on to the people in my first sit down with them was that relationship building was the key to successful outcomes. Mm-hmm. So how do you help professionals understand where this fits in one's overall development? Right. Well, I would say a great deal of my work does center on working with organizations then that, you know, know that they're challenged. Um, you know, teams may not be functioning well. Uh, you know, um, goals and objectives or timelines may not be met. There may be disruptions in service or product quality. And by recognizing that they have a problem is the first step. You know, so many people just keep trying to blunder through it uh, and continue to face those same kinds of issues. But if we just step back for a moment and just say, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, then we can step forward in meaningful and productive ways. And so it does take a moment of reflection. So what what I try to help organizations do then is, you know, one, recognizing that they have a problem, then mm-hmm. is to do some conflict analysis. What's going on here? What's the source of conflict? And there are three or four main things that I look look at. Um, what's the intensity of the conflict? Um, you know, is this still just differences or misunderstandings, or have we actually got um, moved into um, uh, open uh, disagreement and uh, polarization? You know, mm-hmm. having silos or, or camps against one another. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then that will dictate, you know, just what do we need to do and how do we go about it. And so there are some typical um, strategies, of course, a framework that I use and have been trained in and, and um, applied many, many times. Uh, but it's actually, you know, doing one-on-one um, uh, interviews using a, a standardized set of questions developed around the concerns that the organization has presented to me and really hearing from a cross-section of how people see things, how they're impacted, um, uh, what they perceive to be the sources and levels of con- uh, conflict, and and even ask for ideas about what they might do if they had, you know, they were in the position of doing something differently. And from that, then um, it really sort of takes us into the core of an organization or a team, whatever the, the scope of the um, intervention is, and then uh, coming up with recommendations for how to move forward. And so there's some typical things that w- might evolve from that. Um, for example, some uh, one-on-one leadership coaching. You know, helping helping individuals improve their skill set, um, their mindset, shifting the mindset, uh, and giving them some strategies for how they can move forward differently. And I just want to emphasize: so many times, people, I don't need help. You know, say, well, "Wait a minute, this isn't really that you've done anything wrong. It's just that what you've been doing isn't working." Yes. And, yes exactly. Yeah. And so, what can we do differently moving forward? So, one of them, a leadership coaching. I actually have a project right now where. Um, I'm going to be working with the top three, but then the second level of three, and then there's another cadre of about 20. Uh, they really are lacking in um, uh, clear lines of communication, um, being able to communicate their expectations. Um, who's in charge? There's a lot of blurring of roles and responsibilities right now due to some changes that evolved a few years ago. And just as a team, they're not functioning well. A lot of micromanaging um, you know, a lot of inter- you know, stepping in where they don't need to be you know, going in. Mm-hmm. And so the second tier has really not been able to do their, their assigned jobs the way they need. So, so the team, uh, the, the bigger team uh, is really confused. Well, who do I go to? What do I do? Yes. Uh, who's, yes. you know, yeah. And so, um, so that will, you know, that's the series. And then we'll actually do some, some group training. So, and team building uh, to bring them together and help, and help facilitate actually some healing and mending. Uh, and, and working through some of those sore spots. Um, and uh, I like to use the uh, analogy of sort of like surgery. You just don't blunder in there. You know, you've got to do All some right. prep, prep work and exploratory work, and then you, you go and target the, the concern, and then there's some follow-up. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some healing and recovery and making sure that what you did was uh, is going well. Right. So this all sounds familiar. Uh, so... <laughs> a little bit again of connectivity 
Mm -hmm. Department of Defense, Air Force. As a leader, I've been through some of what I heard you espouse. And and it is a challenge because uh, leaders have a lot of work in, in, you know, certain places. And I mean, I happen to be at, you know, one of those kind of places, but, uh, and in various places because I did move around. But so when you talk about at the organizational level, and then you kind of neck it down to the individuals. And, and I know there's a lot of naysaying going on because I've heard it. People, you know, they don't want to participate or they've mm-hmm. been made to participate or mm-hmm. they're just doubtful. As you said, they don't need the help, but yeah. okay. So um, what I learned and saw, I mean, I always felt like, you know what, if, if you know, we need to take advantage of every opportunity to do better, to learn about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I am a proponent that uh, leaders can improve their influ- influence okay. and impact on others by tapping into their emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that, um, again, I happen to have the opportunity to have had some training, but there are people who haven't. Because mm-hmm. you know it's not always offered or other organizations mm-hmm. like I'm working with one couple now and and the group has said I mean these are senior people who've never had emotional intelligence training for example mm-hmm. but you know, we also buy but anyway <laughs> so how would you tie this to a leader's goal to develop high performance leaders because mm-hmm. again I've taken in everything you said you know agility the workplace who has problems communicating. But at the end of the day, these people in organizations that you're helping, they, they have something they got to do. All organizations are about performance. So how do you help individuals do this? Or, I mean, just maybe a little bit of a, you know, individual coaching, whatever you'd like to share on this. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I was just a keynote speaker for a um, um, very high performance uh, association of um accountants and technology people across the country who specialize in those, you know, um, uh, um, advanced development of systems and procedures for, you know, uh, product delivery and things like that. And so it was a a very interesting um, opportunity and and some great people. And um, one of the things that uh, we, we really took a look at is that, you know, using the, the foundation of emotional intelligence uh, was to then say, you know, how you show up matters. You know, how you how you influence, how you um, you know, persuade people. Uh, you know, and and how do you get them to buy what you're trying to sell? You know, and so um, it gets back to some basics that we oftentimes overlook in business. We're so busy selling what it is that we do that we forget about the basics of making connections, um, building relationships, as you mentioned. Um, uh, you know, establishing and, and bonding uh, with our customers to some degree. Um, and I used, I remember um, as I opened up my keynote presentation, I, I used examples of, you know, um, uh, how people tend to approach people. And I, was, I said, it just amazes me. You know, I mean, I'm uh, a strong user of LinkedIn. I think it's a powerful, powerful tool. And, and that's where I make a lot of connections. But I'm always amazed at how people will reach out and try to sell me something and they don't really even know what I do. Um, they, they've just looked at my profile. They've made no connection yeah. and, and they think I'm, I'm open to responding. Not, right, <laughs> you know. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, they might have a great product, but the way they've approached me leaves me with no interest mm-hmm. in cultivating a relationship. And yet, on the other hand, I had uh, met with somebody and uh and it, it started off more as a conversation, more like, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, I, I'd like to know more about you before I tell you what I have to offer, because I, I think there's a connection, but I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. And so that attracted me right there. And so we ended up having a very delightful com- um, conversation. It turns out we have some uh, geographical similarities in terms of where we grew up and where he was actually living right now. And uh, I was getting ready to go to that, um, my home state of Minnesota. And so we just had a delightful conversation about things that weren't work-related at all. Now, now that person, I would be far more inclined to do business with. Um, because, and I was much more receptive to hearing what he had to say about what he had to offer. You know what? I, I uh, You get to share this uh, interview as well as others. But 
many people need to hear that because that is such a turnoff when somebody just looks at your profile and thinks they got something to sell you. Mm -hmm. I, I, I totally agree. I'm all about connections. <laughs> we, you know, yeah. we got to connect. So great. So, um, okay. So, you, you, you know, uh, like I said, we're hitting all the topics because another passion of mine is tapping into diversity when growing mm -hmm. organization talent. Yes. You know, it's not diversity for the sake of diversity. And um, so this past couple of years, I've been doing a lot of diversity training, both trying to take in and learning, but also presenting to others. And there's a lot in that. And so um, what are your views on how this helps leaders thrive? Because again, we're about you know, growing organizational talent or, you know, whether it's your business where you interact with certain people or a larger business where you're, you know, trying to help them grow. Thoughts? Great question. Thank you. Yes. Um, uh, you know, again, I like to ground it in a story. Uh, you know, I, I come from Scandinavian background and where I grew up, everybody sort of looked like me, you know, <laughs> Scandinavian. And, um, and yet it was because of that sort of homogeneity that I was really intrigued. And also from my opportunities of meeting the different business people coming into my, my dad's farm operations that I got to see, you know, I mean, meet a lot of people from lots of different regions and, and countries, like I mentioned, that I was really intrigued in, in knowing more about the bigger world. And so it didn't take me very long uh, after high school uh, well, even in high school and, and while in college, I did some travel abroad and study abroad to learn more about cultures. And um, the study of cultures was actually one of my minors in my early days. Oh, okay. So, I mean, so out of out of homogeneity, you know, gave my my love and thirst for um, diversity, and um, and and so as a result of that, you know, again, it's been sort of a backbone of my my thinking and my. Um, training and my speaking in terms of, you know, looking at the richness of our communities around and are we representative um, of, of those communities. And I too have been around the world of diversity for many, many years, um, uh, starting training way back in the 1990s in the longshore industry, uh, which used to be very, you know, um, uh, you know, not diverse at the time, but because of the shipping Industries opening up, they they had to hire, and just the influx of people from all different backgrounds and what had been for many many years really created a lot of challenges in the workplace. And so, uh, I, I've seen over the years then how businesses have changed and how they you know um, uh, attract and recruit and hire people, how they're brought into organizations, and so have seen it evolve. And so much like emotional intelligence, there's all the, there's what I like to call cultural competency, you know, and being, um, again, having that mindset to being open and making sure that we're had, we have uh, people of diverse backgrounds so that we're representative of the communities that we serve. And, you know, if we look at things the same way all the time, that's all we're going to produce. But if we look at things, oh, well, there's all these different things I can consider. Now we have a much more powerful service product, whatever that might be. And, and so part, part of that diversity then, too, is not only, again, attracting, uh, recruiting, hiring, retaining, but then going back to um, that workplace culture, building a culture of psychological safety. And that's really um, been my emphasis is, I like to say we've come a long way, baby, you know, when it comes to physical safety, but we have not when it comes to psychological safety. And that has borne itself out even more so, you know, with the, the um, uh, George Floyd uh, uh, matter, you know, throughout the 2020s, um, all the you know, riots and even worldwide, not just here in this country. Right, right. And so, you know, um, building a safe place for pe where people feel that they um, are valued, are wanted, uh, are recognized for their contributions, then creates a space where people are ready and willing to give uh, their best. And when people have that, you know, workplace culture of where they feel uh, included, uh, cohesive, then they, they're they more likely to stay. The retention issues that a lot of companies are facing are, are, are not as great because 
people will stay at organizations where they feel valued more than going someplace else where they get paid more. And so there's just so many levels there. I, you know, can't unpack oh, it all. But... Oh, yes, that's so much valuable input. Yes, yes, <laughs> you're right. So, but thank you so much. I mean, excellent, excellent, <laughs> comprehensive <laughs> picture. Um, and, you know, I, I remember, so diversity, you know, some years ago was about bringing in women. So that that's a diversity. And, 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 and I know, cause I grew up a lot of times, you know, I look around the room, I'm the only female in the room. And then you add, you know, the other criteria, you know, uh, maybe the only black in the room. So you have mm -hmm. two, but then we realize as time went on, uh, it's, it's even more than that, right? And so um, I can appreciate the context of, of your answer for that. So I think this is a good segue because um, I kind of, you know, talk about women. So um, celebrating International Women's Day, I picked that up from, you know, reading about you. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, we do the March thing. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's, you know, we celebrate women. But we also know that as women, every mm -hmm. month, every day is about women. So, um, so when you uh, where you spoke about the uh, neuroscience, which you've been you know uh, intimating along you know these questions and answers behind people in conflict, mm -hmm. shifting the mindset. So today it is so clear that we see and have access to global women. Mm -hmm. um, you've traveled around the world and have already experienced this. I've traveled some around the world. Uh, I'm an Air Force brat, so I actually have had some experience, not as much as yours. But, um, but today we see women in all, you know, all in every context. Because I don't even want to, you know, how do you say that without saying physical? you know, all shapes. And that's what we used to say, but it's yeah. something else. So neuroscience, we're talking about the mind, right? Yeah. How does this help us navigate everyday adversity or anxiety? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a critical question. Um, I, I, was, I was just part of a webinar yesterday where um, the um, uh, MC was talking about, we have more um, more of whatever the problem is, more problems today than we've ever, ever, ever faced. You know, it's it's just so multidimensional. It's like, where do you even begin? Um, yeah, and so, uh, you know, when we, well, one, having traveled uh, quite a bit um, and still have more to do, I have just met some, you know, amazing women, and particularly at the conference in Paris back in March um, for the International Women's Day, just fantastic um, women. And uh, just, I was so, struck by just the creativity, ingenuity um, of some of the, the things that they were doing and what they were striving to do. And, and yet I would say, you know, a, a very consistent theme um, among the speakers, because they were all female and their audience was primarily female, um, was, it goes back to what I said earlier, is really, you know, fostering that courage to speak mm -hmm. up you know, to, to act on your visions, um, but also to develop the skills to communicate that. And, and I would, I will share with you, um, uh, and this goes back to my early mediation days, more so than my psychology days, um, that to this day, I continue to work with people around the four primary communication styles. Um, that's so rich in um, information about how to clue in to where people are coming from, uh, not to box them or stereotype them. That's the last thing we want to do. But again, if we're aware of these patterns of behavior that are universal, then we, um, we, we're, we're actually making more emotionally intelligent decisions about how to engage with them. And, uh, and so I, I bring that together because then when we talk about the neuroscience, what we know and understand about how the brain functions and how we're influenced um, physiologically, uh, helps us understand on how we manage ourselves from a day-to-day -day basis. And that gets back to emotional intelligence, you know, self-awareness, self-management, other awareness, um, relationship management. And so if we're not aware of ourselves, well, guess what? It starts with me. I, I got to do my own homework. Mm -hmm. And this goes for all the leaders that may, may be listening to this too, leaders at any level. I need to know and understand myself. 
um, before I can effectively lead um, and expect others to follow me. And then I also need to know how to manage myself um, because getting hot in the moment is only <laughs> going to create fear uh, in those around you um, because it goes back to our, our, our natural instinct of drive to survive, you know, our flight, fight, or freeze response. And that's all happening neurobiologically before our, our um, executive brain, our cognitive brain even makes sense of it. And so just understanding some basics, you don't have to get your doctorate degree like I did in studying neuroscience, but there are just some basics that I try to bring to all of my, my trainings, my coaching, my, my speaking, uh, to understand that there are things biologically going on that's not just about your mind, mm -hmm. but they influence your mind. And so yeah. if we know that, we can harness that, that energy and drive. And now we can also influentially, we're going back to that influence again, um, influentially <laughs> lead and direct others and um, empower them to make good decisions as well. And, um, and so it's just, so going back to the communication styles, what I, I have known and, and studied for many, many years is that there, there is a certain percentage of the population that tend to um, uh, be more conflict avoidant, shall we say, mm -hmm. and uh, they tend to live more in their head. Yeah. And not that that's wrong, because they're highly creative. That's where you need to go when you want creativity and innovation and so forth. Uh, but the, time, the thing is, is they oftentimes get stuck in their own mind. They don't know how to express what, what's going on up there, and they need time to process that. And so, um, and I will say that, um, again, based on my own work, I, I'm not going to say that this is necessarily research-founded, but over 30 years of work, um, uh, yeah. more women tend to be in that area of have, being highly creative but not having the courage and the curiosity and how to express themselves. And, um, and there's all kinds of byproducts that go along with that um, uh, lack of courage and lack of skill, really, uh, in how to express themselves. So that's a, a large portion of my work, too, is particularly working with women and, and how to find their voice, how, to sh how they show up matters, and how to show up with influence. And that happens at every level. We can be highly intelligent. But that doesn't mean um, we're emotionally intelligent and in how to put this together. And that's what, what the real key is all about. I love it. I love it. Um, because, you know, I'm reminded of myself. Mm -hmm. um, I Where I started out is certainly not how I ended up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had to learn those things. I always had a lot going on in my brain. Always. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would do what I would do, you know, industriously, right? Busy. Yes. And, but then, you know, it was, yeah, I had a voice, but as I've learned today to tell others, but I didn't use my voice. Right. And, yeah. you know, it's so powerful to be able to put those two together mm -hmm. and to share and help others see that it was mm -hmm. just, you know, a great thing. So uh, you've kind of mentioned a couple, you've mentioned a couple of these things, but I'm going to tell people she's got a couple books now. So <laughs> she has a couple titles that I love. And, you know, uh, whatever you'd like to share about your emotional potential, how you show up matters, which is available on Kindle and uh, one of your ebooks, Building a Courageous Culture. So I know we've talked about it, but, you know, hey, feel free to promote, say whatever you like. But I mean, just those titles are, are just rich. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I started off with um, your emotional potential, how you show up matters. Um largely just you know collection of getting those thoughts out of my head too um like you I, you know where i am today is very different than where i was and if you remember my story in the beginning we were to be seen and not heard yes, yes. i didn't have a voice i didn't know how to express my feelings heck i didn't even know what feelings i had you mm -hmm. know and so that was all learned and how i show up today is very different and so um i say that to give hope and courage for people that i can't change oh yes you can yes. Uh, both yes. you and i are living proof of that yeah and so um the your emotional potential is i um I have another book in the works, but that's taken a lot longer to write. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to start writing subsections of, of some of the things that I'm working on and, and then try to pull, pull all that together. So your emotional potential um, was that start. And so it does, it's a, just a primer on some of the neuroscience um, of how our brain functions to give people a basic understanding. People also have an opportunity to go in and take um, uh, what I call a spice game, um, that uh, is about the um, the four communication styles, and you get immediate results and some things to work with, and and some other things in terms of you know uh, definitely addressing your emotion um, your the emotional intelligence the four 
quadrants that Daniel Goleman originally identified. And um, uh, what's, what I find interesting, um, uh, because I just read this a, a couple, two, three weeks ago, Daniel Goleman is still alive and uh, very prolific on LinkedIn. And so I follow him and get his updated articles. Um, and just so people know, emotional, uh, emotional intelligence has been around for quite a while, right. uh, but largely in the academic circles. It wasn't until Daniel Goleman uh, really started taking some of those concepts into more layman's uh, terms mm -hmm. and um, became recognized for it. And that's what really popularized that whole notion. And he just wrote recently, um, because his early work talked about the amygdala hijack. Now, I won't won't go into it. You got to read my book to know more. But that's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, but he's he's he said you know what uh, that I was onto something, but I've realized now it's much more than just the amygdala being hijacked, because when we look at the neuroscience of our brain, there's a, a, a cluster of different brain components that actually comes together uh, in producing these various aspects of emotion, emotional expression, and so um, I'm, I'm really excited about where that's heading and um, and. Uh, um, you know, and, and what we'll continue to learn and grow about that. Because again, what we know today is so very different than 30 years ago when I was doing my graduate work. And so it, so people, it's going to continue to evolve. We're going to continue to know and, and learn more. But your emotional potential is just a, a short, like 25-page book. It's rich with resources, though. It's a, an, an easy read, and I think you'll find it really delightful and get some immediate results. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then the second one um, is a free download from my website. Um, building courageous cultures um but it really evolved over the last couple of years with our rapidly changing workplace culture mm -hmm. and um then again sort of tying back into the notions of psychological safety and and as we have we had this fear induced upon us about this unknown um you know um disease called covid and there was just so many unknowns uncertainties and fears and challenges um that we really have seen um you know, people emerging uh, with a lot of trepidation, with a lot of fear. And uh, and again, it's, it's just a short book to, you know, start taking a look at what, what do each of us need to do, not just our leaders, but what do, what do each of us uh, need to do in terms of contributing, yes, yeah, yes, yes. to building that workplace, uh, courageous workplace culture. And it's, again, about having the courage and the curiosity to make it a better place at any level that you can. And of so much of that psychological safety is, is is really based in how we show up, you know, and if we've you know, got big, ugly faces and we're going to have somebody about a conversation, we're not going to get very far because we've already induced that fear factor in them and we start shutting it down. Um, if we use um, uh, harsh tones, uh, demeaning tones, sarcastic tones, again, that's going to impact how we show up. And then if we, um, you know, use uh, blaming, shaming words uh, or critical um, criticism, um, um, being negative, all of that, you know, mm. sends a very different message about how we engage with one another. And we actually create fear. We don't create cooperation uh, and collaboration. And so it talks about those kinds of things about uh, building that courageous um, culture. Wow, that is so invaluable. And so I, I you actually answered my next question. So I okay. will repeat the question, ladies and gentlemen, so you know that she just answered this because I was going to ask her, to share, uh, you know, one thought about negative thought patterns and just how you communicate with other people and the things and words we say to people, it does, it turns people off in the fear. So thank you for that. And you, you're welcome to say any more about that, but I think you did kind of address it. <laughs> well, if I can just add to that, yes, because, yes. Um, because, because of what you just said then is that it's important to, um, you know, we, we have internal thoughts and ideas and so forth and so how we talk to ourselves yes is is very critical and so we need to look at the patterns yeah we need to look at those patterns and shift you know the negativity uh i should be doing this or i'm such a failure oh no that's the way we think this right. is the way we show up that's and right. so we have to take a look at ourselves and that's where the the coaching comes in and the courage to say okay not what have i been doing wrong but how can i improve how can i get better i'm always up moving forward and, um, and and how can we make this a growth opportunity? And so it starts in here, but it is also how people show up out there. So there's internal and external um, triggers uh, for, for how we engage. Yes. 
So Dr. Dupree, I, I, I hope you sort of gathered when I first started talking to you, I felt a connection from what I was reading. So you're gonna hear this next question, but in the interest of time, we're gonna move on because you just talked about it. But what I'm gathering is I just thought I hit the jackpot when I got to interview you. Because I said, I hear a theme. I feel very important about this. How important it is to change our thinking, or in other words, to develop how we think and relate so that we influence others. Mm-hmm. As it is, you know, but it starts with us. And then ultimately, um, you know, it's repetition, it's it's what are we what are the triggers that we recognize and we say, oh, whoop, I'm doing it again, stop it, <laughs> move mm-hmm. on whatever, you know, positive affirmation. I mean, we all have to, you know, we have different things, but again, I, I knew just kind of thinking about, you know, what I'd hear or could ask you, what, you know, it, it plays a big part. So, so uh, just kind of fast forwarding the sisters and sisters. And, and our point was to say, whatever you call yourself as, as you know, women, um, our podcast is really all about elevating women to their best selves. Mm-hmm. And so that requires everything we've talked about today. And when women are confident and diligent about executing their business plans, they tend to exhibit positive self-awareness and social awareness resulting in great relationships and customer focus. So that's what you talked about. And um, I, so with all that you've studied and, and worked with other people, I'm sure you have a success routine. What is your number one tip? And, and while we do focus more for women, but one of the things I challenged my sister with, I said, you know, every now and then you got a guy, because I was talking to a guy, he said, well, you know, some guys want to hear this too. So, you know, anybody can have access, but, you know, but it's women. And so I've, I've got to, you know, kind of, you know, on that but what is your number one tip for women to maintain high standards while growing and expanding their business or rising to the one who is leading others mm-hmm. where do I begin uh I mean yeah, there's, I, I know, there's, like, there's okay. just several things you know that as we've been talking that have been popping into my mind um I, one thing I, I will say and this goes to the men and the women um uh, you know, there are a lot of wonderful self-help books out there and, and so forth. What I have found in working with people, though, is that we can have very, again, intellectually intelligent people, uh, but, you know, they know it, but they don't do it. Um, and so we can learn, but if we don't apply, if we don't um, integrate, if we don't align um, what we know with what we do, you know, it gets back to the, the, the um, uh, adage, you know, um, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. And so you may say, well, I know that, but are you doing it? Right, right. And that's where, again, we need to challenge ourselves. And so, you know, I guess my tip in, in saying that then would be is, you know, it's important to stop and do some reflection. And, you know, what do I like about myself? What am I not so happy about? Um, uh, where do I want to change? Uh, what do I want to let go? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do I see myself yes. showing up? What do I want myself to show up like, you know, and not that we get so caught up in what others think about us, but what others think about us is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, people do business with people who they like. Likeability is huge. And so anybody who thinks that, well, I don't care if they like me or not. Well, you should, mm-hmm. you should, you know, and again, yeah. it's how your behaviors, you know, uh, 55% of what we, how we communicate is by what we see. And so that's why our behaviors and how we show up are so critical. And then 38% is our tone, volume, and inflection. I've worked with women and men um, in their vocal presentation in order to, you know, soften it sometimes, sometimes to to elevate it, um, you know, using more tone and inflection to make it more varied, you know. So um, I just go back to how you show up matters again, you know, and uh, give some thought for how you want to show up. How do you want to be known? What do you want people to think of you? You know, what kind of impression do you want to leave? And um, because it does matter. Because yeah. if you're going to lead and influence and persuade and, and direct, if you want to create a, a, a band of followers, how you come across is critical. Right. I, I, I so agree with that. And <laughs> I think 
Um, I never necessarily thought about number one, but ultimately I certainly believe that's what it comes down to because I, I know you've had many a time you want to just kind of pull somebody's little shirt tail, dress tail, whatever. <laughs> say, Can I talk to you a minute? Because <laughs> it yeah. does matter. And then um, sometimes we got some voices out there leading people astray, saying you can just mm-hmm. do, well, no, not really. Not for the mm-hmm. long term. Not yeah. for when you can look back. I always, you know, kind of my motto was you don't want to do something that you're going to regret ever later in life. Right. I mean, yeah, we all had mistakes or, or stumbles, but did you give it your best so that later on I'm like, well, that didn't quite turn out like I wanted it to, but I knew I was in the, you know, the right framework of mm-hmm. what I was trying to do. So, yeah, I do have two things I'd like to say, uh-huh. Cecilia. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> In fact, I, I, I sail every Wednesday night with a crew on a sailboat in a race. And so uh, last night we were, we, we, we were doing really well. And, uh, but we yeah. had this snafu and it cost us a couple minutes. And so we didn't win the race, but, um, but uh, we were joking a little bit about um, making mistakes. And I said, well, you know, you know team, you know, it's, it's making the mistake is not the problem. It's not learning from the mistake. That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I'd like to just add in here, um, you know, I talk about, you know, step back for a moment before you step forward. Hmm. But we, we actually want to create some pauses in how we show up in our communication. Uh, we need to give our time, uh, our brain some time to process. And so I'd like to uh, draw upon the quote from William Urey, who was co-author of the book Getting to Yes, very popular in the 1980s that revolutionized the field of negotiations and mediation and um, uh, co-authored with Roger Fisher. Well, Will, William Urey, who's an international you know, conflict resolver, um, went on to write a book called Getting Past No. You know, what do you do when people just say no? Um, and so he coined a phrase, you know, go to the balcony. And well, what does that mean? Well, you know, when you go to the theater and you go to the balcony, mm-hmm. you know, you're above everything and not to, not to elevate your status, but you're above everything and you can now look and see everything. You know, when you're down on the theater floor, all you can see is this limited view down here and you can't really see what's up there. But when you're in the balcony, you know, they call it the best seats in the house for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a much bigger view. So if we can go to the balcony and look back on the exchange or the interaction or whatever we just did, what do we see? And um, what worked, and I was like, I don't like to use words like right or wrong or bad or good. I like to say what worked well, what didn't work so well. And what can I, what what can I build upon, you know, working well and keep doing it. And then what didn't work so well, well, what can I shift? What can I change so I can get better at that? And so, you know, use that, you know, go to the balcony, stop and, you know, reflect on what's, what what do I see here? And and how do I want to move forward? Go to the balcony. Wow, I like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you have been so gracious in responding to my questions. And, and I know there's much more expertise worth sharing, given your extensive background. So you're welcome to leave any other nugget that you'd like to. Um, otherwise, you can please give us uh, where you can be contacted. So sure. You know, you can lead into that however way you'd like to, but um, very much wanting to make sure that people can reach you because this is a wealth of information and a lot of different things that people can grab hold of for themselves, for their organizations. Great. Yeah. Well, I, I guess one thing I would like to encourage people, two things, is that one, to visit my website. Um, because I, I have a, a ton of material there. Um, the uh, ebooks are um, available, the free ebooks are available for download. But if you go into resources, there, there are um, two key things I want to bring to people's attention is that um, you can um, uh, see what kinds of programs we have for decoding the conflict mindset. And we um, have premieres twice a month on YouTube. And, um, uh, you know, we, it's all around conflict, but I bring in, you know, thought leaders and professionals from different walks of life um, that, you know, address conflict in their field of doing business. And so, um, uh, in fact, tomorrow, uh, we premiere Eve Curry, who's going to talk about women and assertiveness uh, in the work world. 
And so that'd be a very powerful one but to sign up and subscribe and then be notified. Um, next month, we're taking a little bit um, different direction. Oh, then we also have one later in this month um, about toxicity in the workplace and uh, what people can do. And then the next month, we're going to shift the direction a little bit. And we're going to go more into the field of real estate, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, looking in two key areas is that, you know, um, aging, aging adults and the options they have available as they age in terms of selling what my, my friend Ronald Greenwald says, um, age in place uh, or seniors stay or go, you know, and so he talks about that and, and helping and he works with families to, to, um, to face those kinds of decisions, uh, but around the concept of real estate. And then we're also having another speaker on, on real estate, um, a really top-notch uh, salesperson. She's in the top 200 of um, uh, um, Keller and uh, Williams' real estate team out of 1,800 nationwide. So she's in the top 200. That's how good she is, uh, Bridget Potterton. But she's going to be talking about the handling of real estate in divorce. Uh, and because it's a very tricky subject, they actually have certified divorce real estate analysts now. Um, that specialize in the handling of real estate um, through divorce, because oftentimes the family home is a um, family's biggest asset, and that right. has a lot of emotional emotion packed into it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I really encourage people to to um, you know subscribe to the the channel. Some great speakers, and um, uh, you'll get a lot out of it. The other thing um, that I did over our, our COVID times is I took a lot of the techniques that I would teach people one on one in in person sessions, and I thought you know. I keep being told I have some great techniques, but uh, who's seeing them? You know, I can't see all the people I'd like to see. And so I turn them into short videos. And so um, we wow. have what we call tips and techniques. There's about a dozen on there right now. And I continue to add, but um, usually anywhere from three to six minutes. But uh, mm -hmm. it talks about different things that we can do there. Uh, oftentimes, it's not big change. It's a small change that yes, exactly. small steps that produce big change. Right. And so um, uh and the, the beauty of going on, putting them on video too, is uh, I like to reinforce this thing. A repetition reinforces retention. So the more we practice, and you mentioned this early, the more we practice, the more we do it, you know, the better we get at it. And so uh, so visiting things over and over again can be really helpful. But those are those are free uh, to um, your viewers and listeners here. And uh, but go to my website and that's relationships-at-work.com. All right. And you can also search uh, me by name on YouTube for um, decoding the conflict mindset and the tips and techniques. Okay, this has been just just wonderful. And when we um, uh, we we will put the information in in the link okay. when the podcast goes out. So um, I can't thank you enough. And even at the very end, you were still sharing so much. Um, oh, thank you. The other part of our podcast, my sister Larissa. Coach is actually a realtor, so I can't wait to share this with her. Ah, very and good. My daughter is a realtor. Okay. And then I was just reading um, in the Sunday paper, it was about the elderly people, you know, aging in place and, and having to take another look at that. And so everything you said, I, I mean, like you say, we there's so many things out there today that, you know, require some attention. So uh, you're doing great work. Um, Thank you. And and just be, being a voice and sharing, you know, your wisdom, your experience. And um, so, I mean, personally, with gratitude, and I know others will get the same out of you. So thank you so very much. Thank you so much, Cecilia. I love being here today with you. Thank you. So best to you. And I will be looking on your website. Thank you. So thank you for listening to our Voyager interview with Dr. Deborah Dupree, more to come from her. Please go to her website. And with that, we are signing off from Divas, Diamonds, and Dollars podcast. Thank you.